0: that That passage is a, a remarkable kind of moment where, after quite a long time of rebuilding and kind of uh, concentrating on the things about their life that they needed to see restored, they got to a moment when it felt like the building for them, the temple needed to catch up a little bit. In fact, for them, it was a big catch-up because their temple was in ruins. We're far from that place where our temple is in ruins. But we do sense God bringing us to that moment when our buildings need to do a little bit of catch-up with what God is doing with us as a family. And before we before we go any Any further, I just kind of pause in this space because I don't know about you, but I guess in different ways, all of us are just immensely grateful for this space. This space means so much to us, doesn't it? I think all of us will will think of really significant moments in our lives that maybe is going on out there, but something happened for us in here. We gathered some strength, or some resilience, or some perspective. Or, or somehow in this place, in what these moments create, there was an opportunity for us to uh, uh, pour out our emotion to somebody else or to God or, or whatever. So uh, in the light of what I'm about to say about us trying to take this space from all that it is to something even bigger and better in God's heart for us, uh, would you join me as we pray? And we thank God for this place. This home that has enabled your family to worship, to pray, to connect with you, to be encouraged, to find strength, to hear you speak, to make decisions to go and do something about what we've heard you saying. We thank you for the gift of this place. And as we sense a stirring we are grateful that that stirring is always from one degree of glory to another. It's to the place where you have brought us into a greater, more spacious, more expansive place. So we ask in these moments and in the Weeks and months that lie ahead. That you would keep us above all. Listening to your heartbeat. And being the family that you've called us to be. We ask for your help. In Jesus name. Amen. So I want to talk for a few minutes about the proposal that we are proposing, as you generally do with proposals. And it's about this particular space that we are in now. And to summarise it, it's the dream of taking what is for us a very fixed space, there's limited things that we can do because the environment is fixed, to take it from a fixed space... To something that's much more flexible, not just in terms of the way that we could interact and be, or in terms of what might be able to take place in this space, but also flexibility in terms of how often and when it can be used. And so there's a combination to move us from fixed to flexibility, which involves both the seating and the heating I didn't realize that that would rhyme but it does uh, uh, because those are the two kind of main ingredients that helps us make this space more flexible it's not flexible for half of the year because of the heating it's not flexible for all of the year arguably because of uh, the seating and we've made lots of investments around the buildings over the years but the least investment in this particular space And that's uh, something of our heart that it's now time for this space to catch up. And I guess one of the things the COVID journey has taught us, that becoming more flexible and more agile will be significant for us in the years that lie uh, ahead. So we're thinking about a three-phase refurbishment, which replaces the, the pews with Seating with chairs, and then replaces the old inefficient electric fires that you can see, some of which uh, work and some of which don't, uh, with a more modern economic system, and then to recarpet and make good uh, the floor. But but why? I want to spend a few moments trying to explore with you why 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 is this important in our hearts? For all that God is calling us to. We're building a family aren't we? We're not building a business. And we're certainly not looking to manage uh, buildings. It's not about the buildings at all. It is about the family family and as we discovered with the church center can you remember before that existed who's old enough to remember 10 years ago before that existed and uh, it was almost inconceivable uh, back then all that would happen in the 10 years since we uh, built the church center in terms of how it enabled us to grow as a family so much of what's happened to us as a whole community was made possible by the creation of that space. So buildings can be enormously helpful. A family, of course, needs a home and a rescue station needs the right tools. Now, almost everything that I'm sharing with you now, I wrote before our COVID Well, it's not ours, the COVID uh, pandemic. And maybe, as you were aware, just before lockdown, well, just after lockdown, on the Tuesday, lockdown of the very first time was on that fateful Monday. We had planned a church meeting when we would have begun this conversation back then being away from the buildings for so long has given us different time, hasn't it, to, to reflect and to wonder. And, and I guess I went down into a valley of wondering whether... Actually, we're surviving without our buildings. Uh, Maybe they're far less significant than we had previously thought. What would the future look like without them? Is that something to which God is calling us to? And then back up the valley of causing uh, uh, me and us to reflect on, with our longing to be back together, that increased over the months that went on, the crucial sense that our buildings Will always play in our future life together. We've many of us have been around long enough to see churches delighting in being free from having buildings of their own, only to get their own eventually. And so, buildings can be a great blessing, and or and stroke or can be a great burden. Being a family without a home is not a long-term strategy, and I think we'd all uh, agree. I have that sense of urgency now that I had when we got to the point of the church centre. I can't overly explain that or over-dramatise it. I just have that quickening about it, uh, just like we did back then. And you remember that getting to the point of building the church centre took us not months but years. uh, and, And then suddenly... There was the time, the opportune time, the moment for us to seize. And having put off building the church center, that quickening came when we needed to catch up as a community with what God was uh, doing. And I guess I feel this way about this particular space right now, that after 60 years of almost no investment in this particular space, that it's time for us to catch up. First word, faithfulness. Faithfulness. When we built the church center, effectively known back then as the Annex, it was the culmination, as I said, of a decade or more work exploring what God was saying to us. What God was saying to us, not just about this space or the car park Or the Burlington Hall, that was still very much alive and part of our responsibility, just up the passageway fronting onto Burlington Road. And we felt God talking to us, and you'll remember the booklets perhaps that we produced about a a three-step program of building the church centre maximizing the value of the church center by turning this space into something more flexible and then trusting that God that still had a mission and a purpose for Burlington Hall. So in a sense, I feel like we're coming back to something that God has always spoken to us about. And we're standing in that great tradition of faithfulness, aren't we? I still marvel at those who began this church in 1856, building the very grand, what we now call Burlington Hall as their church, and then within only 25 years, deciding that that wasn't big enough, and building this 700-seater auditorium. That took some bold faith, didn't it? Uh, A massive building that seats, if you seat all around, 700 people back uh, uh, then. Uh, And it's, I guess, in that tradition that then caused... Uh, the community here in the 70s to redevelop Burlington Hall as part of its uh, community mission and outreach in those days. That same tradition that caused us to build the church center that God's asking us to stand in once again. So it is for me about faithfulness. God's faithfulness to us over the years and our faithfulness to him to all that he laid on our hearts way before we even put a spade in the ground in the building next door. The church center, as I say, was a, uh, a culmination of a decade or more of, a, of that explanation. Uh, and we recognised the need to maximize uh, the, the opportunity that God was giving us to be the family to which he was calling. And so conceiving that building and turning this into something more flexible to increase our capacity was very much part of that story back uh, then. We all have moments, don't we, uh, when, when kind of a penny drops or a light bulb goes on or, or, or someone says something that sticks with you and you can't quite shake it off. We might call that a, a kairos moment, a moment when God breaks in and and speaks and and says something. It was one of those kairos moments for me in the summer of 2019. It was in one of those summers when the sun actually shone and we were all allowed to go out. And as a ministry team and trustees, as a leadership team, we were in a country garden in the summer of 2019, worshipping and praying and talking and reflecting on God's faithfulness. Uh, And in that conversation, somebody observed how over the last decade or more, so many people had got as far as the glass, wall, doors, windows, but not made it any further. And this was the phrase that landed in my heart and has struck with me. God has been faithful as far as we have been faithful. And in that moment, it was a a a light bulb, a penny dropping. Oh, oh, we can't forget about all the things we talked and dreamed about because we were so exhausted and thankful that we'd built the church center. That was literally a plateau on a bigger and greater journey. And God was calling us to leave that particular lay-by right now and move on up the mountain of all that he has for us. Faithfulness, first word. Second word, Mission. The thing about building projects is it always feels like it's about us. And of course it can be. It can feel very self-serving. The church center could have felt like that. We were building this for us, but, but we weren't. And I hope now we can see that we haven't, week by week, over a hundred not-yet-Christians easily, on a normal week, come in through our doors. That's a typical week. The goal, of course, is not to get people in. We know that. But our family home is such an important asset in helping people join the family. The current project, this current project, would be designed to maximize our missional purpose. It's in the end, not about making us more comfortable, but it is about helping us be more missional, be more welcoming, make things easier for people. The buildings can't make us that, but they can help us in that particular task. Third word, inconceivable. As God calls us forward in his mission for us, There are always things, many things, that he can see that we can't. We had a good idea of some of the things that might become possible if we built a church center. But honestly, we didn't see the half of what God had in store for us. God has done so much more that we were unable to conceive or imagine And now I must confess, it seems inconceivable that we might have at that point gone, do you know what, we don't need that, let's just keep going as we are. It seems to me unimaginable that we might have made that decision back then in the light of everything that God has done in and through what that building created it's my same hunch that whilst we can see some things that changing the dynamic in here will create and i'll talk about some of those in a moment i still think it's probably inconceivable what god will do we can't see it all yet we can only see dimly we can only see a little bit and as we trust him to take us forward all kinds of things that we hadn't imagined would open up so what are some of those things though that we can imagine that we can see Third word, flexibility, flexibility. As we follow the calling to create a family, flexibility in this space becomes all the more important. Another little window away from the buildings was just a few weeks ago at our church picnic. Wasn't that a fabulous afternoon? So grateful to those of you who were able to be with us. We had a field. We could have all put our chairs anywhere you liked in the field. In fact, you were carrying your own chair. You were autonomous with your chair position. No one put their chairs in rows. Because we were building a family. Because we understood the value of connectedness. And so we visibly demonstrated a very core value to our life together, the value of family and togetherness. Now, the current seating arrangement, of course, is solely designed for individuals primarily to focus on the front, like we are doing now. And that's not an insignificant or an unimportant part of our life together. It's just a part. It's not the whole. It's a part of our life together. And so it doesn't, and can't create space right now for people to pray easily or talk together easily or space to move around and greet someone that isn't a couple of, uh, hurdles between, excuse me, between you and them. It's inflexible. Now I accept that for a normal Sunday celebration, there will be values in, in putting out seating not too dissimilar to where we are now, although It will give us the ability to do that in a way that creates a lot more space for people to move around and mingle. And there are times when the church centre rooms are just too small and we need a bigger space anyway. There are times when it would be better if we could meet around tables in this space or uh, have a a gathering here with breakout room around the side. There are all kinds of moments where we would like the opportunity to create a different kind of space that we can't at the moment. That said, even setting out in rows, we can create, as I was saying, space for people to circulate and move around, facilitate. Dating worship and perhaps and we hadn't really been overly conscious of this pre-covid but make social uh, personal space a little bit more easier so fourth word maybe fifth word appropriateness one of the really significant things for me about making this space more flexible is for us to make it more appropriate for significant moments in people's lives This sanctuary, as I said, seats 700 if we were to push the pews right back again past the glass uh, partition. If 700 people are in here, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? It's built for that. That's what it's here for. And we would need to rebuild the big pulpit and things like that if that was what was happening. It's vast. Which makes it difficult to make different kinds of gatherings appropriate i'm thinking funerals i'm thinking weddings i'm thinking wedding vow renewals i'm thinking recommitment of uh, other types of vows that people will come to church uh, to make if we host a funeral where there are 50 guests and judging by the size of the crematoriums in ipswich that would still be a large funeral. So typically, you get less people than that at a funeral. This is a very difficult space to make it appropriate. Either a few rows are filled up and there's a vast cavern of a space, or worse still, people find themselves dotted around. I would love the opportunity to make this space more appropriate for what's going on. That's both a missional thing, And a pastoral thing. It creates an environment that is easier, less intimidating, and more helpful for people to deal with. And the coldness and unfriendliness is not necessarily because of the starkness of empty pews. It's also because of the inadequacy of the heating, which either burns the top of your head or leaves your toes like they're somewhere in Alaska, both at the same time. We could do something much better in here for the people that we're reaching, for the people that we long to uh, connect with God at those significant life uh, moments. We can set out the room in a configuration and in a size that's appropriate for what's uh, going on. Uh, Fifth word, or it might be sixth word. Fifth or sixth? Sixth word, great. Culture. Culture. Here are... Five things about our culture. We believe we're building a family and not simply providing events for people to come to as individuals. Cultural value number one. We believe in making every guest feel comfortable and welcome in our family home. We believe that removing every possible barrier to the Christian faith and the Christian church is our duty and our calling. Value four, we believe that it's our responsibility to contextualize and to incarnate the gospel just like Jesus did. And fifthly, we believe that worship needs to be free, involve movement, connection, space to kneel, spread out, wave a flag or sit quietly in one's own personal space. This environment makes all of those core values a lot harder. Now, changing a building does not change a culture. The culture is created by us, but the building will support us in that or make it harder for us. Ask any architect about the value of a building or a space in terms of reinforcing or helping us build uh, culture. And the church center has been fantastic at that for us as a family. It's really helped us to grow into the things that God's been calling of us and I think this space will do the same. Sixth word, stewardship. We're called to be good stewards of our resources. Every day to my office, I walk through usually a cold. In fact, it's always a cold. It's cold in the summer as well. Almost abandoned looking yet fantastic space that's empty 95% of the week. That can't be right, can it? That to me is not good stewardship of what God has given us. It makes me think of that parable that Jesus told about you're given something and you bury it in the ground to keep it safe. And I I worry that we could be in danger of just keeping this space safe and putting the talent in the ground. And um, if you don't know how the parable ends up, uh, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 25. But Jesus isn't that impressed about a talent that isn't put to good use, that isn't stewarded uh, well. Uh, and, and increasingly, we have to find places to have meetings because the church uh, center is full or my office isn't big enough and all the spaces are used up. And we, we could create little spaces here, but we can't at the moment, even down here, just because the Keating is not responsive enough, let alone efficient enough to do that. It's a great issue that we have, not having enough space for what God is calling us into. But we do have a space that lies obsolete most of the week that we could put to his kingdom use in so many different uh, ways. Finance. We are rightly being encouraged to be environmentally aware and economically efficient you don't need me to tell you that electric fires are inefficient. You know that they're ineffective and you know that they're unresponsive as well. The electric heaters, I'm not going to bore you with all of this. You can read all about this. It's in all the stuff that you can that you can read. I'm, I'm done with that stuff. Other than to say, by comparison... The church center that's on all of the time and this building that's on only for a few hours a week. The relative costs, 71p an hour, 720 pounds an hour in here. So we couldn't heat this building with the fires all we'd go bankrupt by the end of the week. So there's a massive difference between economies, between these two buildings. And in that sense, we are grateful that we only have the fires on in here for a relatively short period of time, coming on at about 4 o'clock in the morning during the winter to get us through a Sunday a Sunday morning. But you can read all about that and the fires that are dead and so on um, uh, later on. Legacy. Legacy. Buildings are only a small part of the legacy that we want to leave. Uh, It's a a thin slice, isn't it? Of the legacy of culture and uh, following Jesus and discipleship and mission that we long to leave uh, behind. Nevertheless, the buildings are a legacy of one kind or another that we will be leaving to subsequent generations. And I wonder whether there is a window of opportunity that frankly is slowly closing. After the Second World War, it was quite normal for your children to do better, for children to do better than their parents, whose children then went to do better than them and so on. All of that has now changed. Things are very different. And we are acutely aware that finding funds for charitable causes is harder perhaps than ever. But I do wonder, as that barometer swings, whether we have a window of opportunity to seize, to do something significant now that will change the use and opportunity now, but also provide a much better legacy for those that will come after us. We can leave a blessing or an increasing burden. So what next? I'd love you to pray. I'd love you not to think so much about what I'm saying or what anybody else is saying. What's God saying? What's God saying to us right now in this particular moment of our journey? What's God saying to us? Would you pray? And pray again that God would provide for us whatever we need for what he's saying. That's his promise, isn't it? My God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then secondly, uh, consider what you might be able to do. How you might be able to respond. And yes, what you might be able to give. There are two types of giving. The first one perhaps um no they're just two types of giving the first one might be more accessible to most of us and that's a regular planned gift a pledge i pledge to give x every month for y months that is the most effective giving in a way in a community like ours that's how we paid for the church center way ahead of our planned time at 1.2 million. Because of the consistency of saying, I'll just do a little bit, but I'm going to do that regularly. I'm going to commit just to doing a little bit. And if we all commit to doing a little bit, that's all uh, that we will ever need in terms of finance for God's kingdom. So if you're able to commit to a regular amount for six months or for 12 months or for two years or whatever, it might be. The project won't need to wait until all of that money is in. We don't have a cash flow problem, but we do need to know where the money is coming from before we're going to commit to moving uh, forward. For, for Kerry and I, this is a personal journey as well. And we'll just share what we will do, what our response is. And our response will be to, to purchase a chair. That'll turn out to be about 60 quid a month for as long as the duration Of the project or we get to the bottom of the list for whom we feel like we're buying chairs for you with me I want to buy chairs for my family I want to buy chairs for those who've never been in this building but I carry them in my heart and I wish and I long and I pray that one day they will I want to buy chairs for people that I know and love that used to be here and aren't here anymore for prodigals. I want to buy chairs for some people that I don't know, but I know are in God's heart to journey with us in the future. And so for us, thinking about it like that, I'm going to buy a chair, we're going to buy a chair every month, and praying for who we believe that chair is for. There are no names and plaques, don't misunderstand me. It's not going to be, you know, this is Fred's chair, get out, Fred's not here yet, uh, but but you know so it's for us that's a spiritual journey a pilgrimage to be honest it's not about the money or even about the chair at that point it's about what we're longing for god to do family friends prodigals spouses children siblings who would you buy a chair for regular giving, a pledge. Secondly, one-off gifts. Of course, there are, these are equally valuable. Maybe you've been blessed in one way or another and you have some capital funds that you are able to release now or can release at a later date. All of that helps us in building a picture of how we can move forward. Everything that you need will be at Burlington.church forward slash refurb. I wonder perhaps you get that up on the on the screen, Mark or Jonah or somebody, Claire or somebody's there. Um, Everything you need is there. If you need something printed out, let us know. We can print it all out uh, for you. The proposal is this: that we begin a journey that starts today. uh, And at our Vision Sunday, on uh, October the 10th, we have an opportunity to talk about it together more freely and openly than there will be today. We have an opportunity to ask questions if we haven't had them. You don't need to wait until the Vision Sunday. For goodness sake, let's start talking about it. Let's start asking questions about it now. Let's start understanding what we're about and uh, and hearing from one another and praying together now. But a big opportunity on Vision Sunday dedicated to thinking about uh, what we sense God is saying. And then the October church meeting, October the 19th. Uh, then then two things coming together, really. Uh, if If there's clarity... Uh, well, we, there will be clarity one way or another around where our finances are. So we're encouraging people to think about it between now and perhaps the Sunday before that church meeting, uh, the 17th of October. There are two things then for us to uh, decide at that church meeting or, or one thing for us to receive. That's our financial ability. And the second thing is whether in principle we think this is what God's calling us to. Uh, and that we hope would be a moment of decision for us. That would go, hey, we could do phase one of this project, which would be to uh, to remove the pews and uh, and bring flexible seating into the space. We could do phase one and phase two, which would be the the seating and the heating. We could do phase all three phases, which would be uh, the seating, the heating, and the the reflooring as well. I've just got some uh, final questions before we come to a close. Uh, perhaps the frequently asked questions, just for a few minutes, and then we're going to worship and and close ourselves out. Will it distract us from the real building of what God's calling us to? I think this is always a very legitimate concern. It's not about buildings, Simon. Let's not get sidetracked right now with worrying about our buildings. I understand that. But our buildings are a worry. We have got them, and we have to do something about them. And and I think it was that very concern that caused me to delay our starting work on the church centre. There was too much of what we might call the real building to do. But I guess more and more we can see how they're inextricably linked. And if any project could have distracted us from the real building, it would have been the church uh, centre but instead it brought us together as a church and it helped us focus more on our missional vision. Can you remember all the talk about uh, being a a lifeboat or a yacht club and, uh, and all of those metaphors and images? It stretched our faith. It was good for us. In fact, on Easter Sunday 2006... David Beer, uh, a friend known to us, was here in Burlington from Frinton, who headed up in the UK Purpose Driven Church. Uh, And he quoted afterwards something that I'd said in that sermon, which was that this has been the most fruitful six weeks that we've known in the whole of our time here at Burlington. And of course, that was right smack in the middle of the Church Centre project. And this refurbishment is very small in comparison and will require some detailed work by a few, but it doesn't need to knock us off track of all that God is doing. Shouldn't, excuse me, shouldn't we spend the money on mission? Shouldn't we spend the money on mission? At face value, such an important consideration. Mission has never been curtailed at Burlington because of lack of finances it's not the issue secondly mission sorry secondly this is the mission creating a space that helps us be the people God's calling us to be not for our own sakes but for those not yet here I don't need to make the seats more comfortable for you to come or change the heating because you're committed you're in you're here it's not about us We don't need to create a different space. We've got used to it. We know what to expect. We're familiar with it. We're past all the intimidation and all the coming in and the strange. We don't need any of that. This isn't for us. This is mission. Remember the glass wall I talked about earlier. Why does the project involve the seating and the heating? Well, because both are linked. If we are replacing the heating, then the pews will need to be removed to do this anyway. If we're removing the pews, it makes no sense to make the floor flooring good and the walls good, only to change it again with the heating. And the flexibility thing, one without the other, doesn't make the space flexible in the way that we uh, are longing for. Won't having chairs be more work? Yes. Unavoidably. Like with the church center, there'll be more to organize particularly the setting up and the setting down of the space as appropriate, that's unavoidable and is true. You can fit less people in on chairs, can't you? Yes, well, comfortably at least. Pews are the most efficient in terms of packing people in, which is what everyone loves to hear post-COVID pandemic. We can pack you in, it's okay. You can get less in, you do more in, sorry, with pews. But but is that is that what do we want to pack people in? We want to create a different kind of space, don't we, where people have space to move and have their uh, being. We're planning for 250 chairs downstairs. Typically, when um, it's kind of not packed, 200 people are downstairs in number. 250 downstairs when everyone's packed into the pews, as they are at uh, the moment. We can't afford what we're already doing. So why are we? Uh, Also, how can we afford this? That's a really, really good question. You will know that we've been trying to plug a hole in our finances uh, since an employer's matching scheme uh, stopped. And we've been running at a planned deficit, which we have been closing and reducing year on year. And again, we will look at that in our budget for the coming year and the accounts for last year. My reflection on that is this is often a different type of giving for a different type of purpose, different type of pots. Please don't stop your regular giving to give to this project. That won't help us at all. It won't help us in any of our goals to do, to do that. Nevertheless, I cannot remember a time at Burlington when we comfortably balanced our budgets, when we didn't have holes in our accounts. But God's faithful. And we never would have built the church center if we waited until all the money added up. It's about God's faithfulness, where we began, and ours. Mind you, I can't think of any biblical precedent either where they had all the stuff before they started. Our demographic has changed, making large-scale capital projects more difficult. I think that's true, probably. Anecdotally, I don't know for sure. Um, which I think creates a level of urgency to seize the window that we have that I talked about some moments ago. Some of us like the pews. Yes, and many do not. That aside, again, it's not for us. This is not about ourselves and what we're doing for ourselves. I can't think of anywhere, though, where people are offered wooden benches to sit on other than in churches. A massive feature of the Empire Cinema in Ipswich was the new seating. Do you remember that? taking a slice of the cinema-going market from Cineworld very easily. There's a reason for this. I think we'd all be embarrassed to welcome someone into our home and offer them only a wooden bench to sit on. It's about welcome. It's about saying we're trying to create a space where you can feel comfortable and be at home. The church was designed for pews so it will look a mess. Uh, We're way behind, I think, in terms of the curve that's gone right across the UK of churches getting more flexible seating. Almost every church you go into that has journeyed uh, towards flexible uh, seating has been wonderfully done, and you can find pictures uh, about that. If I'm honest, the the place looks a mess now. It's a sadness to be here when no one's here. We mask it when there's lots of people in the building, but the carpets are threadbare in places. Uh, The cushions that you're sitting on are tatty and faded and different colors. It's not great where we are right now. Uh, uh, so improving it in any way would be a big step forward. Do we have to make this change? Keeping something the same helps. Let me end with this. I get that. I get that changing something else when everything seems to be changing is really hard. We put our trust, don't we, in, in, in physical things around us. It's part of our human nature. To be honest, it's part of our broken human nature that we do that. Our trust is in Jesus, who is the same today and forever. And everything will pass away, the Bible says. Even even pews will pass away. But our trust is in Jesus. And so we trust him and everything that he's calling us to, to take us deeper into the work that he's been doing with us over decades arguably centuries here in this place let's pray father we want to understand what you're saying we want to hear your heart I keep finding myself thinking of the people that a chair would represent in our hearts for them. People that we're praying for and longing for and sharing life with and yearning for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for doing immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. long for this space to be alive with worship and prayer and conversation and counsel where people can weep as they pour out their hearts to you as people can laugh uncontrollably at the joy of your presence Hear the cries of our hearts as we long for you to do so much more.